Blog Talk Radio. Kingway, Fox, Beer, Locker's acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendy's dog, Ransom is very hot. Four Drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fuck is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Data's cat, Kim Pack's cat, you have had enough of that. Beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. I just love that theme song. It gets me pumped every time I hear it. Eric did such a great job recording that. I really like it. It's Thursday night. It's 7.30 p.m. Eastern Coast time. That means we are live. That means if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you can pick up the phone right now at this very, very second. Put down the chicken wings, step away from the microwave, and call 646-668. Two four three three. I'll give you a chance to warm up those chicken wings a little later in the show, but you want to give us a call and get in on the conversation because we have a really, really great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to flash all the way back to 1998, to June of 1998 to be specific, and we're going to talk about Star Trek Insurrection. So if that's one of your favorite movies, you want to give us a call and jump right in on that conversation. And we asked our Facebook fans to score the movie. And we're going to see how close Eric Charles and myself are to the fans. And we're also going to see how close our fans are to the critics. We do that with all the Star Trek movies. And this week, we're going to do Star Trek Insurrection. So you want to give us a call at 646-668-2433 and jump in on that conversation. But wait. There's more. We're also going to talk about Star Trek Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 8, which stands for Three Ships in Klingon. And that was, wow. And if, if, in case you didn't know, I loved it. And if you've listened to the podcast, that shouldn't be a surprise, but I'm going to tell you why. So you want to definitely hang out for that. We also have Star Trek news. We're going to talk a little bit about the Star <coughs> excuse me, the uh, Star Trek five-year mission exhibit. We also have a new Star Trek series called Ego Quest, and we're going to dive into that a little bit. And we have a brand new, I mean brand new as in this is the first time we're going to do it, segment called Convention Calendar. And that's where we try to let you guys know about the local conventions that we're aware of in the area so if there's one in your area you can go and enjoy it and hang out with other like-minded fans that's convention calendar and this is the first of hopefully many successful segments and of course we have star trek birthdays and around the globe so we want to dive right in because it's naked time and first i have to introduce my co-host we'll start off with eric he's out in portland how you doing eric 
Oh, man, I am doing good, but I am just wondering how in the world we're going to pack all this goodness into two hours, Jim. We got a lot to talk about, and I am so excited about every single bit of it. Yeah, we, we have a lot. We do have a lot, but we always manage. And we also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good, enjoying the weather, finally cooling down. We're finally seeing 80s. We might see some 70s and 60s next week. And yeah, course, it's going to be nice. You see things he loves today's lower deck. Jim knows me. He knows I love it for the different reasons. And it, was, it was a good sure one. I'm not sure naked, but naked, late, naked day is so illogical. <laughs> <laughs> I love the episode because it made me think of both of you guys. <laughs> It was, it's, it's my new favorite, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Hey, guys, uh, we're going to break. We will, we will break 40,000 downloads tonight, uh, which, is, which is incredible. So thank you to you guys for making that happen. We're sitting at 67,558 likes on our Facebook page. So head over to Trek Talking and Beyond. Give us a like, give us a follow, and see if we can get that up to 68,000. That would be awesome. So before we dive right in, we're going to do our numbers around the globe. And before we do that, I just want to preface it by saying that we appreciate each and every one of you, regardless of where you're listening from. Uh, In the past two weeks, I've made some changes in where our podcast is found and also how it's found by changing the logarithm that, that goes along with the taglines when we put it out on all the various platforms. And th- those changes have caused our numbers to go up a lot. And that might make it look like other numbers have gone down, but they haven't. It's just that our domestic listenership has gone way up and that makes it look like our global listeners have gone down but they haven't they're all you guys are still all out there and we still appreciate each and every single one of you guys i just wanted to say that first before we turn to eric to go around the globe with the numbers so take it away eric yeah that's right jim i mean we are gaining fast here i think something like a thousand new listeners in the last week or so and so now the way our numbers are that is about 81, almost 82% of our listeners come from the United States, where we broadcast from. So thank you to every single one of those uh, listeners, whether you've been listening to us for four years or whether you just joined up. Uh, great to have you along the way. But we'd like to talk about our international listeners, too. And in that number one spot, holding steady, we have our brothers and sisters to the north in Canada. They represent 4.82% of our listeners. So thank you all very much for continuing to support Trek Talking. We love every single one of you. In our number two spot, hold steady is the UK with 4.13% of our listeners. So always nice to know that folks across the pond are listening to us and enjoying Trek just the same way we do. Thank you, folks in the UK. In that number three spot, the folks down under, Australia with 3.63% of our listeners. Thank you to all of you, including the dude. Uh, yeah, in that number the four, dude. In the number four spot, we still have Ireland holding steady with 1.35% of our listeners. Thank you. So between Ireland and the UK, we've got uh, still way over 5% of our listeners coming from that part of the world. So that's pretty cool. And in our number five international spot, we have 
Germany with 1.5% of our listeners. Thank you to every one of our listeners, domestic and international. Uh, it just means a lot to us. It really does. And it's, it's really cool to see how fast the numbers are growing. Uh, thank you, Jim, for making your algorithm changes. And thank you all for downloading and listening live. Yeah, and also, I, I said at the top of the show, head over to our Facebook page, Trek Talking and Beyond, and join our Star Trek family. Uh, this is so much more than a podcast. It's blog talk radio, which means you can interact with us live right now on the phone by calling 646-668-2433, which is something that a lot of other podcasts don't offer. You can also interact with us on our Facebook page at Trek Talking and Beyond. So, Become a member of our family and uh, give us a call or just listen to the podcast. That's fine. But if you do go to our Facebook page, you'll see the top of the page. You'll see the live long and prosper. Just tell us where you're listening from. Every week I pick some lucky, lucky fans. If you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talking, that means yours truly, Uncle Jim, has picked you and your name is going to be read off on a future um, fan shout out segment. So Eric, why don't you get us started with our fan shout outs for this week? You bet. Our very first fan shout out this week goes out to Mark seven. Mark seven is saying greetings from a Brazilian who lives in Moscow, Russia. Wow. That's pretty cool. That is an international listener right there. So Mark seven, thank you so much for listening to us and for interacting on our Facebook page. That's really cool. Now, well, is that our yeah. first Russian listener? Uh, well, Brazilian listener for, who lives in Russia, for sure. Uh, I, we may have had a Russian, you know, it's not coming to mind, Jim, so maybe it is the first. Maybe it is. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Well, very cool. Mark, if you are our first uh, listener from Russia, thank you so much. And that's a, that's a pretty lofty honor, so that's super cool. Uh, this week, we're also saying hello and sending out a great big thank you to Adela Sikorova. From the Czech Republic, uh, we have had several people from the Czech Republic say hi to us, so it's kind of cool. I think we have a little, uh, little nest of listeners there. Um, so Adela, maybe you know some of your other uh, fellow uh, Czech Republic folks here listening to our podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us. And my final shout out this week goes out to Nikke de Vries from Stadskanal in the Netherlands. Uh, the Netherlands, did you guys know that more than 50% of the Netherlands is below sea level? Fascinating. They keep the whole country going with, like, dikes and levees and all kinds of stuff. It's amazing. So, Kanike, you have an amazing country that I have learned a lot about over the past few years. Thank you for listening to our Trek podcast. Charles, who would you like to say hi to this week? Well, let's start off with Kylie King. From North Territory, Australia. Top fan. Da- Josh Hanselman from Fort Worth, Texas. And Stephen Dick from Liverpool, England. I think we got some Beatles from uh, Liverpool. <laughs> and what about you, Jim? Yeah, um, <clears throat> the Beatles. See, that was a rock and roll band of some type, I think, right? Uh, I believe yeah. so. I believe I've, I've yeah, uh, I, yeah. yeah. Insignificant I think from what I understand. Yeah, I think I've heard of them, but anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we like to start off with, I got to make the print a little bigger because my old eyes can't read it. I would like to say thank you for listening to Munther, Munther, Munther Alice Scree 
from Baghdad, Iraq, originally from upstate New York. That's pretty cool. Uh, we'd like to say thank you to Emma Bork from Stockholm, Sweden, and Mike Schur from Cape Town, South Africa. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Like I said earlier, if you'd like to hear your name mentioned on the fan shout-out, just visit us on Facebook. Tell us where you're from. It's that simple. Time for Star Trek birthdays. That was not a Klingon song. No, but we like it anyways, Worf. So we always start out our Star Trek birthdays by remembering those members of our Star Trek family who are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, our very first uh, remembrance this week goes out to Morgan Fairley. Uh, He's an actor who played two parts in Star Trek. He played the character Haycom in the TOS episode, The Return of the Archons. And he also played a Yang Scholar in the TOS episode, The Omega Glory. So happy birthday and remembrances going out to Morgan Fairley. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out our uh, remembrances to Madeline Rue. She is car- or she's the actress who played Lieutenant Marla McGivers from TOS's The Space Seed, a pretty significant character for uh, only showing up once as she uh, provides companionship and motivation for uh, our favorite villain, Khan. Now, <laughs> I looked her up. I have some interesting trivia on her character. I looked her up, and come to find out that um, she wasn't in the movie because the actress passed away. Well, she was alive at the time, but she was extremely ill and couldn't do it. And they decided not to recast her because they, they kept Ricardo, and they didn't want to recast her. So they just, you know, put that little line in about the earworms getting her. But I'll ask you guys, assuming that they had had her and she was alive and in the movie, how do you think that would have changed the movie if she was still alive and in the movie? Do you think Khan would have been as crazy and revenge-driven if she was still there? I do not think so. I think that it it actually may have taken away from his kind of, you know, vengeful quest a little bit because if he's got something to live for, if he's got something right there that keeps him happy, uh, you know, revenge is, is... a little less attractive, I think. And, and it's also a dish best served cold, and it's very cold in well, space. I've heard that. I don't know if it's true, but I've heard that. So. Well, we'll be able to ask Shatner soon enough. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, <Yo. laughs> well, happy All birthday, right. Madeline Rue. And, and Jim, that was awesome trivia. Thank you very much for that. So happy birthday to Madeline Rue. Uh, we're also saying happy birthday and sending out our remembrances to David Somerville. Uh, he played the character Lieutenant Larry Matson in TOS's episode, The Conscience of the King. Um, we're also saying happy birthday to Charles Drake, uh, who played the character of Commander Stucker in TOS's episode, The Deadly Years, um, which is cool that there is, uh, of course, a fan film that picks up on that episode and carries on, which you should definitely watch. We have reviewed it here on the podcast. So happy birthday to Charles Drake. We're also saying happy birthday and sending out remembrances to Persis Kambata. Uh, she's the actress who played Lieutenant Ilea uh, in Star Trek The Motion Picture. 
the uh, uh, very, very cool part. Um, there's some cool pictures online of what she looks like uh, with hair, you know, because <laughs> she doesn't have any hair in the movie. Uh, but, yeah, uh, what a great part and uh, what a great movie. I think everyone on this podcast just loves Star Trek motion pictures. So happy birthday, Persis. We're also saying happy birthday to John Hoyt, the original grumpy doctor, uh, Dr. Boyce from TOS's The Cage. Uh, I keep hoping we're going to see him in, uh, you know, somewhere in Strange New Worlds. I don't know, though. Maybe not. Uh, he hasn't been announced as a character, so maybe not, but that would be super cool. Uh, but happy birthday to John Hoyt, who did a great job with that character. We're also saying happy birthday to Skip Altmeyer who played Dr. Severin in TOS's The Way to Eden, and also played Melikton in uh, Patterns of Force. And our final remembrance uh, this week goes out to actress Harriet C. Leader. Uh, she played a very interesting character, a character named Amari, uh, in TNG's episode Unification. And I think this one might have special meaning for Jim. Yeah, I. Um, she's a minor character. If you remember, she had four arms, and she sucked on salt. But that's not the thing you remember her for. She's only in the episode very briefly, but this is the scene that you're going to remember her for. <laughs> yeah, that's the first time we hear uh, Klingon opera, and Worf is just so overtaken by the moment that he has to join right in with her. It's a great moment, and uh, it's one of my favorite Worf moments. It's right up there with, I am not a merry man. Uh, so I had to have the opportunity to play that little clip for you guys in honor of her birthday. So thank you very much for that wonderful yeah. scene in Star Trek. She did a great job with that scene, and a, a very interesting fact that you may not know uh, is that never do we actually hear Harriet Leader's voice, her actual voice, in that entire episode. Um, turns out she was an actress who had a very strong New York accent, and when she was first cast, the people who cast her thought it would be hilarious to have this person with this New York accent playing in a bar and uh, Gene Roddenberry is walking by the room where she's practicing one day, and he says, what the hell's that? And the director's like, I think it's funny. And, uh, and Gene was like, aliens do not have New York accents. Get rid of it. And so what they did was they actually overdubbed all of her dialogue and all of her singing uh, with actress Judy Durand, who, if that name sounds familiar, she is also the actress who provided the voice of uh, the computer uh, in Space Dock and also uh, on DS9 slash Terraknor. So the voice you hear singing there is actually Judy Duran's voice, known better as DS9's computer. Wow. Actually, That's awesome. actually if you learn, you learn from Delta, uh, the DS9 podcast, that they should call Second Unit. 
because it's a second it's a second production company, and if your lines are unclear or they need to be redubbed, you'll actually go to a separate studio and you'll redub your lines. Right on. Well, so that's what happened with her. So uh, Harriet C. Leader, the actress, uh, would have had a birthday this week. Happy birthday to her. And that is our final remembrance for this week. So, Charles, take it away with our uh, birthdays for folks who are still with us. All right. Well, let's start off with Ed Long, who played Mildrow in T.S. episodes The Cloudminder. William Wallace played the 25-year-old Wesley Crusher in the early TNG episode Hide and Q, where Q was out giving away, trying to give away promises to people. And he could age Wesley about 10 years. As Steve Chandler played Lillian Murrin in TNG's Coming of Age. Duncan Reher played Rowan in TNG Sub Rosa. Also played Shakar Eden in DS9. Lindsay Stoddard played NVIDIA in Enterprise's Chosen Realm. And we've got another character that played another, another person that played another character. Uh, Michelle Krizik played Molly O'Brien, age 18, in DS9 Times Orphan, where she was in that well that caused uh, her to age, mm-hmm. uh, past certain time. Sure. And finally, one that I definitely like, because I got to learn more about this character. Is a deal to send who played. I don't know how to pronounce his first name because I never used his first name. What's his first name? Yeah, it's a Adia. Sahil. Yeah. Or as we always consider him, named Sahil. <laughs> From that hope is you, parts one and two, the bookend, season three. So we get to learn a lot more about Sahil when we go into the book that took us between episodes one and two in Discovery Season 3. And Sahil's an interesting character, especially for all his history. He's got to know about he's one of the people he thinks still exists of Starfleet. Yeah, he's when you about hope, I think about Sahil. Like, if there's no hope yeah. in 32nd century, there is because of him. It's amazing. <laughs> He's such a great guy. Exactly. So yeah. Him, that, that, on your list. That's a great character, and I, I hope we see him again. So. Me too. It's fun well, to learn. I mean, I know, I know Charles already said it, but it was so fun to learn more about him in the book. Just like they go a little deeper into him and you get a little more background on him and you really get his motivations. Uh, it just, he's such a sweet guy. And it's funny you mentioned the book because we're going to talk about 
something interesting happening in the world of Star Trek books a little bit later on in the podcast. So you want to stay tuned for that. So uh, a character, I just actually watched TNG's episode Journey's End just before the podcast because it relates to Star Trek Insurrection. And I got to see this wonderful, this admiral that we love to hate, Admiral Gulch. And, uh, yeah, we still don't like her. She's still another one of those admirals, but she tried. She tried. So happy birthday. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Elizabeth Dennehy, who played Commander Shelby in the TNG episode Best of Both Worlds, Part 1 and Part 2. I loved her character, and I love her. She was one of the guests I had at my very first Star Trek convention, and she was wonderful, and she was just blown away by, by the Star Trek fans and the outpouring that she got from from all of us after just appearing in two episodes. So happy birthday to Elizabeth Denny. And we know what happened to her because of Lower Deck. That's right. Yep. That's right. And we and do. she has an amazing Star Trek attack wing card. We do. So there you go. So uh, we'd also like to say happy birthday to Stephen Collins, who played Captain William Decker in Star Trek The Motion Picture. Happy birthday. Uh, one of my favorite movies, actually. We talked about that earlier. I'd also like to say happy birthday to Carol Daniels, who played Zora in the TOS episode, The Savage Curtain. I don't know what she was. What, we had a Klingon, we had Colonel Green, and we had her. I don't know. what Was she like Attila the Hun or something? She was just a big, like, Amazon woman of some yeah, type. I don't yeah, remember. I think, I think she was supposed to be some kind of, like, um, Cro-Magnon woman, like some kind of cave woman, because remember she had like a really big, like thick eyebrow kind of situation going on, and I think she was wearing some furs and stuff, so I think maybe she was yeah. going to be some kind of cave, cave person or something. Yeah, something like that. The happy she, birthday she, to she Carol like Daniels. Frank, she looked like Frankenstein, though, really. <laughs> yeah, she, she was an interesting character. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Wendy Robbie, who played Yulani Belor in the TS, DS9 episode, destiny and here's one of my favorites and i, I really hope yeah. we, that we see her again and uh, this this episode i think was was the ultimate episode of picard um this one brought tears to my eyes tears to my wife's eyes everyone that that, that watched this episode just absolutely loved it and i'm talking of, of course about the episode nepenthe from star trek picard and the character that i'm talking about is Kestra Troy Riker, played by the 15-year-old Lula Wilson, who was phenomenal in that role. So happy birthday to Lula Wilson, and I hope we see Kestra Troy Riker again. And that's a perfect example right there of how to use guest stars in an episode and not just as eye candy, like, oh, look who we ran into over here on this planet, but that have a pivotal part in the development of the episode yeah. and the story arc, as Riker and Troy did in this particular episode of Picard. Phenomenal. Um, and, of course, the one person of all the Star Trek people that I never had a chance to meet, and I don't know if it's because he wasn't doing Star Trek conventions back in the 90s or he didn't come anywhere around where the East Coast, where I generally uh, cohabitate, but 
We'd like to say happy birthday to Avery Brooks, Captain Benjamin Sisko from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. The one actor I never got a chance to meet uh, from Star Trek. So maybe that will change in the future. And I always do the Klingons last. So this week we have an interesting one because she's not truly a Klingon. She's actually half Klingon Romulan. But she did have a fling with Worf. So that's cool. Kind of puts her in the Kalar category. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're talking about Bayel, oh, who was in the TNG on, episode on. Birthright, part one and part two. And her name is Jennifer Gotti. So happy birthday to Jennifer. And um, I just, I was looking at the picture of her on Facebook. And I got to say, what were they thinking when they made her Klingon prosthetic? Now, the Klingons on Deep Space are on Discovery, and the Klingons in the J.J. movies took a ton of flack from fans. They don't look like Klingons. What'd they do to the Klingons? Blah, blah, blah. It's still going on today. However, take a look at her headpiece. Now, I realize that she's part Romulan, so she does have the pointed ears underneath the hair because that's what tips her off to Worf. But what is the deal really, with the with the kind of trill, black, bumpy, spot, V thing going up the opposite side of her ridge. I mean, it's completely on Klingon for what we know of Klingon prosthetics in the 80s and 90s. She could pass for any other alien at that point in time. And I don't recall a big backlash of fans complaining about that one. Yeah, I think Which she has, I think she has, I know what you're talking about, Jim, her, you know, the shape of her headpiece is a little different from most of, of what we see, but also, you know, she's the only Klingon Romulan uh, person that we see, so we, we don't actually know, and actually, if you look around at TNG Klingons in general, it's not like they have, you know, one type of forehead. They've got all kinds of foreheads. Um, you look at her mom from that episode. Uh, she's got like a, kind of a weirdly shaped head too. Uh, so yeah, I think it's just, they were trying to go for something that was maybe a little different, you know, Oh, she's Romulan. Maybe it'll look just a little bit different, but I agree. She, she it's almost like she has three ridges instead of just one big one down the middle. Yeah. Doesn't bug yeah. Me. It's, it's kind of weird, but but I still like the character, and uh, I I was yeah I liked her not as much as Kalar, but I did like her. Well, well guys, I mean, believe it or not, it, it, it is time to take our first break of the evening. Can you believe it? I can't. It, it's it's just amazing. It's it's amazing how quick time flies. So now you can run to the microwave and put those chicken wings in. So run, don't walk, because you don't want to miss the rest of the show. It's going to be great. We're going to take this very quick commercial break, and then we'll be right back with Star Trek news. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. (laughs) 
And we're back. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. And, of course, that means it's time for Star Trek news. And we're going to start off with something brand new here called the convention calendar. If you guys listening are aware of any conventions in your local area that you'd like to have mentioned on this show to help get the word out, to help publicize them, please go to our Facebook page and send me the information, and we will get it on our next convention calendar. Now, we're going to try to keep the convention calendar um, current. This particular one goes out a whole year because it's our first one. But as we go on, we'll refine it a little bit and try to keep it, you know, short and manageable so that we don't have to read off 100 conventions. So this is our very first convention calendar, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So we're going to start off with a convention that's happening right now. In New York City Comic Con, which is October 7th to 10th of 2021 at Jacob Javits Convention Center in New York, New York. And New York happens to be our number one listening in the United States, which is awesome. And maybe one of these days I'll make it down to New York City Comic Con, but I haven't as of yet. We'd also like to let you guys know about Fan Expo Toronto being held on October 22nd through October 24th. 2021 at the Metro Toronto Convention Center in Toronto, Canada. We'd also like to let you guys know about FedCon 29 being held on October 22nd to October 24th, 2021 at the Maritime Hotel in Bonn, Bonn, Germany. And the last one that I have to tell you guys about is one that I have attended, Rhode Island Comic Con, November 5th, 6th, and 7th. 2021 at Dunkin Donuts Center and Rhode Island Convention Center in Providence, Rhode Island. And Charles, what conventions do you have on your list? Okay, well, I'm actually really adding as we talk. First, we have Destination Star Trek London, November 12th to 14th this year at the Excel at Excel in London, England. Superfest, excuse me, Super Mega Fest is November 19th to 21st this year at the Sheraton Framingham Hotel in Framingham, Massachusetts. I have been to that one. It's an awesome convention, and we might actually be there this year if the COVID thing gets under control. Okay. I've got the New Orleans Comic Con, January 8th and 9th next year. It's a Poker Train Convention Convention Civic Center in Tanner, Louisiana. I'm going to jump out of the country and Puerto Rico Comic Con. It's January 14th through 16th next year in the Puerto Rico Convention Center in San Juan, Puerto Rico. And one more I was going to jump in that Jim did put in. L.A. Comic Con will be December 3rd through 5th at the Los Angeles Convention Center. 
from what I'm hearing about that one, that will take in the postponed the Shell Nichols farewell event. I've also heard pretty good chance that the fleet will be there on the second floor. They want us to do a bunch of activities, so we may be short. The fleet may be coming into that convention. It sounds like it's going to be a lot interesting. I may actually have to take a day off and go up there. Hey, I bet you'd love to go to this next one. Yeah, there's there's a few of these that I like to go to. Uh, so, yeah, I'd like to say... Uh, February 19th through 20th, we've got Oz Comic Con. That's going to be held down in Adelaide Showgrounds in Adelaide, South Australia. So uh, for all our Australian listeners, head on down to Adelaide February 19th through 20th next year for Oz Comic Con. Uh, We're also tracking the Fan Expo Vancouver February 19th through 21st of next year in the Vancouver Convention Center up in Vancouver, B.C., uh, just a solid six hours north of me, one of my favorite cities on the planet. I really, really, i still trying to convince my wife that I want to move there. Uh, so Fan Expo Vancouver in February should be pretty cool. Uh, we're also tracking here Far Point, February 25th through 27th at the Delta Hotels in Baltimore, uh, Baltimore, excuse me, Delta Hotels Baltimore, Hunt Valley in Hunt Valley, Maryland. So in Maryland at Farpoint uh, Convention, uh, I, that's a great name for a convention, Farpoint. I love it. February 25th through 27th. And then later on next year, we're tracking right now Dragon Con, September 1st through the 5th of 2022 at the Hyatt Regency in Atlanta, Georgia. And also Fan Expo, September 22nd through 24th at the Salt Lake Convention Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. And that is our convention calendar. Nice job, Jim. This is going to be great. And what we'll do as we get more conventions, we will add them and we'll bump them off and we'll try to keep them within the next three or four months. So hopefully you guys enjoy that and we'll get more. I've had people sending me conventions, which is great. So, um, yeah, I think that's a pretty cool idea. And, uh, Eric, you get our first story of the night. Time to head into the news, and the first one is a good one. Star Trek Picard Season 2 has a big emphasis on mental health. With production on Star Trek Picard Season 2 having taken place earlier this year, the series is set to return to Paramount Plus in February of next year. As revealed by the trailer that premiered on Star Trek Day, Picard and his crew will find themselves facing a brand new crisis, one that now involves time travel. In fact, co-showrunner Akiva Goldsman even confirmed season two was inspired by the movie Star Trek The Voyage Home, a classic adventure that finds the crew, the Enterprise, traveling back to the 1980s to save the future. Star Trek Picard star Issa Briones, who plays Soji, among other characters, revealed that her favorite thing about the new episodes is the way they show the characters in a new light. This is done through a new focus on mental health, which Briones says she feels uh, it feels like a relatable story these days. Briona said, quote, I would say that my favorite thing about it is that we're seeing these characters in a new light, and there's a big emphasis, I think, on mental health for sure. We're seeing these characters going through some hard moments and really leaning on each other and prioritizing their own mental health in order to save everyone else. 
And I think that's a very relatable storyline and a storyline that we need right now. Based on Brionis' comments, it sounds like Star Trek Picard is taking a new approach to season two, and it sounds very interesting. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty, pretty cool thing. Um, you know, I think one of the things that new Trek, newer Trek is doing these days is it feels like it, it's really trying to make things relatable, right? They're trying to take today's issues that people are dealing with today and weave them into the story so that people can identify with the characters. And this is one way in which they're doing that. It sounds pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, Charles, you're up next. What you got for us? Did we lose Charles? Lost Charles. Uh, forgot the oh, button. Ah, there he is. Star Trek exhibit five-year mission ends at the Screwball Convention Cultural Center. <clears throat> On October 7th, fans of Star Trek can be themselves in the middle of a pulp poster sci-fi phenomenon with Star Trek Exploring the World opens at the Los Angeles Institute. It explores all the worlds of and characters of Star Trek said Laura Marsh. Skirfall manages to curate in these exhibits as far as fans of Star Trek didn't get to see these amazing artifacts and fun TV costumes close up. I really love that, she said. The exhibit is made up of more than 100 artifacts, set pieces, costumes, pops, scripts, and videos spanning the 50-plus years history of Gene Rodbury's TV show and all the other TVs and movie spinoffs. His original launch coincided with the 50th anniversary of the series, which aired between 66 and 69. There's plenty of cool stuff to look up that spans the entire history of the franchise. But the exhibition's goal is much deeper than merely showing off memorabilia. Installation explores the show's theme of optimism, equality, humanity, and the continuing impact on modern culture and technology. Star Trek's message about optimism is about the future and the appreciation of diversity, of hope, of working together. It's not just a cool message. It's a message that has inspired people for generations, even if they're not wild Star Trek fans, he said. And yes, you can go ahead and fact set and beam me up, Scotty, because there's a replica transporter where people can stand there and see themselves nearby on a nearby screen being transported to the final frontier. We had something very similar to that at Star Trek Las Vegas, 55-year mission. It's October 7th to February 12th at the Skirtball Cultural Center in Los Angeles. Costs are $15 for general admission, $15 for seniors, and then different costs for children under 12 and... Sounds I'll cool. go, uh, look up org and you get more uh, more detail. Sounds fun. I, mm-hmm. I wish I lived in Los, I, in Los Angeles. I would go. <laughs> I've heard bits and pieces about that one, and 
I think a few of us down here have to that be sounds fun. To that. that does sound fun. So, yeah. guys, um, if you've listened to the podcast, you know that, that I love Star Trek V. So when I came across this next article, um, I had to jump right on it. And just 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 to tweak you guys that hate the movie and just to make myself happy, uh, here's the, the clip. A strange force has entered the galaxy. The future of mankind is at stake. It could only mean one thing. Greetings, Captain. Spock! I do not think you realize the gravity of your situation. The vacation is over. Now, the crew of the Starship Enterprise... Enterprise, are you ready? ...is taking adventure where it has never gone before. What are you standing around for? Do you not know a jailbreak when you see one? the mind of a madman. Hostile force has taken control of our vessel. Mr. Solo, full ahead. Through the center of the galaxy. You know we'll never make it through the Great Barrier. To the final frontier. Fascinating. How often have you done this? Actually, it's my first attempt. Fire the rocket! You never cease to amaze me. Nor I myself. This is the boldest track of all. Warp speed now. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. This is Scott, you're amazing. There's nothing amazing about it. I know this ship like the back of my hand. And I thought that with Shatner going into space... And with a story that we're going to talk about a little bit later, I thought it was only fitting to play the Star Trek V trailer for you guys and to talk about this next story. Star Trek V's Rockman monster finally explained. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, cut one of the movie's planned villains, a fearsome rock monster. And this contributed to the diminished overall quality and poor reception of William Shatner's directorial debut. Released in the summer of 1989, William Shatner revealed the multitude of troubles he encountered directing Star Trek V. Faced with the pressures of following up the incredibly successful Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, directed by Leonard Nimoy, Shatner drew inspiration from televangelists preaching salvation and imagined a detail where Captain Kirk and his crew encounter a holy man seeking God. Shatner's ambitious concept was admittedly problematic. Shatner decided Star Trek V's climax would feature Kirk chased by a half a dozen rock monsters on a mythical planet, Shakari, which was named for Sean Connery, where God lived. However, when the director held out that the cost of six rock monster costumes would be in the excess of 300000 Shatner reluctantly hoped that one rock monster would suffice. The compromise of a lone rock monster provided unworkable on screen when Shatner and the producers saw how stiffly the stuntman moved in the creature's costume and how the visual effects weren't up to par with what fans would expect from a Star Trek movie. Star Trek V's producer Harv Bennett said the rock monster looked more like a lobster man than a rock man when he saw the footage of the creature in action. Shatner had no choice but to cut the rock monster from Star Trek V and brainstorm a different climax for the movie. Losing the rock monster was one of a number of compromises William Shatner was forced to make that lessened Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, from his original vision. Now, I, I have a copy of 
Star Trek V with the rock monsters and with some uh, of the improved special effects. And uh, personally, I think the rock monster ending is better than the floating face of God thing. Uh, Just my opinion. But um, because the rock monster just, just feels like, yeah, he was another alien. And we've seen lots of rock aliens on Star Trek. And I just thought the rock monster made more sense than a giant floating head. So I enjoyed the rock monster, even though it didn't look the greatest. I liked it. So anyways, that's why the rock monster wasn't in Star Trek. And William Shatner has said that they cut about 35 minutes out of the movie, but there's no chance that we'll ever see a director's cut of Star Trek V. A lot of fans are happy about that, but I'm not. What does God need with a starship? That's exactly true. That's exactly true. What does God need with a starship? I ask you. So um, that's that's my Star Trek V and my William. We didn't get a Shatner says what, but we did get Shatner into the show. And Eric, you've got a really interesting story up next. Yeah, I'm happy to announce that we get to uh, announce a new Star Trek show tonight. That's right. Oh, but not for real. Sorry, guys. Didn't mean to get you too excited there. Saturday Night Live mocks billionaire astronauts with a spoof Star Trek ego quest. Their egos are as big as the universe, so Saturday Night Live concocted a new Star Trek series featuring the billionaires amusing themselves flying around in spaceships. Star Trek Ego Quest will include episodes starring Amazon founder Captain Jeff Bezos Williams and his crew of random weirdos, including his bro, Luke Wilson, and the oldest person ever in space, played by Heidi Gardner, who observes, quote, I'm tired. (laughs) And (laughs) if you didn't get a chance to catch it on Saturday Night Live or you haven't seen the video, uh, I'm going to play it for you guys. It's, It's pretty funny. For decades, the Star Trek franchise has brought you unforgettable voyages from the final frontier. Now, the tradition continues with a new ship, a new crew, and a new captain. Amazon founder, Jeff Bezos. Dude, space is freaking awesome. Star Trek Ego Quest, the voyages of the SS New Shepard and its crew of random weirdos. Captain Jeff Bezos. Hell yes! First mate, Jeff Bezos' brother, whose name escapes me. Science officer, some rich high school kid from the Netherlands. And 82-year-old astronaut, Wally Funk. I'm tired. Their mission, to just sort of fly around space, goofing off in a ship that looks like a penis. I'm in space with my brother Mark. This is unbelievable. Alliances will be formed. I recognize that purple mood lighting anywhere. Richard Branson, you maniac! (laughs) What's up, Bezos, you nutter? What are you doing? We're just flying around. Yeah, same here. (laughs) Hey, you fancy a race? Oh. It's on. Come on, you monkey, biatch. Let's go. Take flight on a midlife crisis. Of cosmic proportions. Oh, oh! We had a space station! <laughs> Oops, that <Thank> cat. <laughs> but around every corner, danger lurks. Incoming photon torpedo! Who the hell's firing at us? Hello, Jeff Puzzles. 
Elon Musk. You son of a bitch. So, space is only big enough for one weird white billionaire. So, you could say beating you is my prime objective. Soon <laughs> meet all the help they can get from a loyal team of valued employees. Captain. Yes. We have a request to beam aboard. Sweet. Yes, it's my delivery guy. Beam him up. Wow, space. I can't believe I'm up here. Thanks. Adios. By the way, it's an honor to meet you, sir. People say you don't care about your Amazon employees, but I disagree. Oh, wow. You just gonna throw me out like that. Wait. Hey, can I use the bathroom real quick? Hey, man, I'm not peeing in this. Star Trek Ego Quest. Streaming this Christmas. What should we do? We do a couple laps? Well, did you guys, uh, hey, stop, stop, stop. There we go. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, did you guys get a chance to watch that? Uh, yeah, I'll be watching Ego Quest. Sounds great. Sounds like a great show. What did you think? Did you think it was funny? <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny because I do think there's so much ridiculousness going on personally right now with, with all of this, uh, these guys going up in uh, their ships, and there's just so many things to have with right now. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. When, when Elon Musk shows up with an Imperial Star Destroyer, I yeah. was just laughing. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's just funny. SpaceX on it. It's like yes. a Star Destroyer with, with a SpaceX paint job. <laughs> it was it was funny. It really was. <laughs> oh boy. So uh Charles it like the sequel to Galaxy Quest. Yeah, totally. It did it, it did kinda have that feel to it. And uh we talked about Star Trek books at the top of the show. Uh and Charles you get our next story. Okay. Star Trek Expanded Universe is getting what Star Wars Expanded Universe never did, an ending. Star Trek Expanded Universe isn't going out the way Star Trek EU did. In September, Simon and Schuster released Moments as Under by Dayton Ward. The novel is the first installment of the Star Trek Coda Trilogy, which will serve as a swan song for the shared universe of Star Trek novels that continued the adventure of the characters from Star Trek The Next Generation, Team Space Nine, and Voyager. Past those show finales for more than a decade. Star Trek novels have never been considered of any level official fan of the franchise. Stewards of the brand have always said that only the official Star Trek continuity is what appears on television and film. But then Star Trek came to streaming. First it was Star Trek Discovery, which seemed like too much of a problem. After all, Discovery was a prequel to the original Star Trek, set more than a century before Star Trek Nemesis. The novelist could probably work around whatever new ideas the show introduced in Star Trek canon without with that much distance. But then Patrick Stewart got up on the stage at Star Trek Las Vegas 2008 and announced he'd be back as John Luke Picard, continuing Picard's story in canon in a new streaming series. That was the beginning of the end of the Star Trek novel universe. 
And so the Star Trek post finale universe will have a finale of its own, bringing closure to 20 years of Star Trek stories. It's a story dealing with broken time, so it moves who knows how many or may not devotees with the canon version of Star Trek Future. And the Star Trek Lion novels is an ending. Simon Schuster still plans to publish more stories based on the next generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. So we'll be focusing on established canon and likely take place between episodes rather than extending beyond those series. And I've heard I've heard discussions about the books, I think including from Dayton. I've not gotten around to looking at the series yet. But I think it's a collaboration. Dayton Ward and I think Max are both involved with it. But I would definitely say there's a new there's a new outlook for novels now. Because a lot of the novels right now who tie into Discovery, who tie into Picard, are very serious in the Jason books. And they really have done a great job with them. I just continually wait to see what they're doing next. Yeah, I've said this before. I stopped reading the Star Trek novels because they just got so ridiculous. They were just doing weird things that, and going in weird places that just didn't didn't feel like Star Trek or feel like something I was really cared about. So I stopped reading the Star Trek for the longest time. Um, and it wasn't until we we started reading the Discovery books, and they feel like episodes. I mean, they really feel like they fit right into, a, you know, an episode. And I think that's great because it makes the books more believable and easier to read. And if they're going to do that with all of the Star Trek books, I think that's only going to make the experience of reading the books more enjoyable. Because as a fan, you know where it's going to fit and, 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 you know, what's going on around it. Like, um, I'm going to mess up the title, so I'm not even going to say it. But the book that we read about Lorca and Giorgio that, that centered around the conscience of the king um, episode of TOS, yeah. that book was outstanding. It was phenomenal. And, you know, because we knew what was happening and we got to find out about a classic episode and fill in the gaps that we didn't know. And that book was great. And I... I uh, Eric, what was the actual name of it? So I don't confuse it with the other one. Uh, uh, that one was Drastic Measures. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to call it Desperate and Measures. The one, and the other one is the other one is Desperate Hours. The one with uh, yeah with uh, yeah with the other story. Yeah, I, I confuse them all the time. But if they're going to yeah. do something like that with future Star Trek books, be it DS9 or Voyager or whatever, that's only going to make I think. The, the extended Star Trek universe that much richer and more enjoyable because you can pick up a Star Trek book and read it and know exactly where it is and what's going on. So I think that's a good idea, personally. Yeah, totally. Yes, it's I'm actually very much enjoying the Rios book. It may be debatable if we actually will talk about the show but it definitely has been interesting, especially its references to TOS, to Star Trek Six, 
and mentions in TNG. Yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I I I'm enjoying the Discovery books so far. There's only been one, one that I didn't really care for, uh, of the ones we've read so far. But not sure he won. Which is why Jim's not sure he wants to read the Rios book. Yeah, <laughs> I, the same author. I, I didn't care for that but author's I think I style. Eric to read it. But um, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, you're not going to like every single thing. So that's cool. Listen, guys, we have to take uh, another quick commercial break. So now run to the microwave and get those chicken wings that you put in there last time. And run on back. Don't touch that dial because we're going to talk about Star Trek Insurrection when we come back. Don't touch that dial. A lonely ship streaks along an endless path. It's the mammoth starship Enterprise. Follow her trackless journey each week on Star Trek. William Shatner stars as Captain James Kirk, starship commander. And Leonard Nimoy stars as science officer Spock, half-Earthling, half-Vulcanian. There are hazards that beset the Enterprise and its crew on board ship and on alien planets. Don't miss Star Trek in color. you were wondering that was the original 1966 promo for star trek if you noticed it's such an early promo it doesn't even have the alexander courage star trek fanfare and they revert to spock as vulcanian which i think is the only time we've ever actually heard that used as a term i'm pretty sure i believe that's true yeah and uh hey it looks like we have a caller on the line here guys sweet yeah. Hello, thank you for calling Trek Talking. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hi, my name is David. I'm calling in from Portland, Oregon. Hey, hey David, what's hey, up, David. buddy? It's been a while. I'm tired. Yeah, it's Thursday. <laughs> it's time tired. to relax and work your way into the weekend with a nice, relaxing Star Trek conversation, right? Sure. <laughs> All right. So now that David's with us, we can dive right into our next uh, our next uh, segment. We're going to talk about Star Trek Insurrection. Uh, in case you guys haven't seen it in a while or have never seen it or don't remember it, here is a theatrical trailer for Star Trek Insurrection. It is human nature to wonder what it would be like to never grow old to experience utter peace and harmony. And it is also human nature for some of us to want what we do not have. Alert, area 12. He's trying to remove the headpiece. Do not delay the countdown. And for others to stand in their way. Thank you. 
participating in the outright theft of a world. They were never meant to be immortal. Who the hell are we to determine the next course of evolution for this people? Radiation coming from the planet's rings continuously regenerates our genetic structure. We're only moving 600 people. We'll be able to help billions. This is the moment we've planned for so many years. How many people does it take before it becomes wrong? How many people does it take, Admiral? We wouldn't be tempted by the promise of perpetual youth. There are hard choices to be made. Send your ship. Don't let go of this moment. Looks like you're planning on doing some hunting. Return to your quarters. That's an order. No uniform. No orders. The environmental anomalies may have stimulated certain rebellious instincts that could affect everyone's judgment. Except mine, of course. Okay, Data, what do you think we should do? Saddle up. Lock and load. On December 11th. Moving people out! Stand in defiance. Definitely feeling aggressive tendencies, sir. Hold your ground. If the court martial is the only way to tell what is happening here, I welcome it, Admiral. Join the rebellion. So, Star Trek Insurrection was released on December 11th, 1998, and was directed by Jonathan Frakes. It is the ninth film in the Star Trek film series, as well as the third to star the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation, with F. Murray Abram, Donna Murphy, and Anthony Zerbe appearing in main roles. In the film, the crew of the USS Enterprise-E rebels against Starfleet after they discover a conspiracy with a species known as the Sona to steal the peaceful Baku's planet for its rejuvenating properties. Insurrection was the highest grossing film on its opening weekend, making $22.1 million in the United States and Canada. The film went on to gross $70.2 million in the United States and Canada and an additional $42 million for a theatrical run of $117.8 million worldwide. Insurrection was the first Star Trek film with space-based effects produced entirely using computer-generated imagery, CGI. While CGI had been used for specific effects since Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, Insurrection was the first Star Trek film to be made without using physical models of the spacecraft. The score for Insurrection was composed by Jerry Goldsmith, his first score for the franchise. Goldsmith continued using the March and the Klingon themes written for Star Trek The Motion Picture in 1979, adding new themes and variations. Insurrection opens with Alexander Courage's Star Trek The Original Series fanfare, introducing a six-note motif used in many of the film's action sequences. Critical response to the film were mixed. The performance of Patrick Stewart and the directing of Jonathan Frakes were praised, while other critics compared it to an extended episode of the television series. Rotten Tomatoes gave the film a 55%, with critic consensus being that, although not terrible, the sluggishly paced insurrection plays like an extended episode of the TV series. On Metacritic, the film has a score of 6.4. And uh, we asked our fans, you guys, to score this movie. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Star Trek Insurrection? Well, Brenda Willis 
gave it a four. She says, weakest of all the Trek outings, in my opinion, saved a lot by Jerry Goldsmith's great score, in my opinion. Uh, top fan Eric Young says, it was a good movie, but it was weak, so maybe a seven. Emmanuel Aquin says, two seems about right. Dario Mephilis Kuhn says, five. It was good as an episode, not a movie. Uh, Ann Young says four, overlong episode, I thought. Ray Ravel says five, it's played like a TV movie. Kevin Thomas says a six, it's not bad, but it's more of a two-part type episode rather than a movie. It just has the budget of a movie. Rick Slaughter said a one, this wasn't good at all. I would rather watch The Final Frontier or TMP. David Owen said four, and I'm being generous. And top fan Helen Yorde said a 10. So you average out our fan scores from our Facebook page, and the fans gave it about a 5.7, Jim. So 5.7. I do, I do think that is pretty weak. I do not know that it's weaker. Do you, I, do you have the stats on where they put Star Trek V? Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Final Frontier was rated a 4.7 by our Facebook fans. So it is... It is a little higher than that, 5.7. So, yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I just watched this movie before the podcast, and I need to be honest, I fell asleep. Yes. Um, okay. It, it, it's not It's not anywhere near as bad as Insurrection. It's you mean just as not, Nemesis? Or Nemesis, <laughs> I mean. Insurrection isn't as bad as Nemesis which in my opinion is the worst Star Trek movie. But I agree with all of our fans. It, it plays like an episode. It's, um, it's graphically stunning. Um, the location shooting is, is phenomenal. Um, you know, Frakes does a great job of moving the camera and keeping you engaged. Um, the characters, there's a lot of funny moments in the movie. And there are some that feel kind of out of place and forced. Uh, Some of the special effects kind of feel like they could have been a little better than they were. Um, Riker controlling the Enterprise with a joystick control from a video game kind of made me go, what? Riker says, what? Um, Yeah, I was kind of like, really? You're going to fly the whole starship from a thumb control on the captain's chair. Mm. So that was a little bit... Yeah, it was a little funky, you know. Um, One thing that confused me and still does, like I just watched the movie tonight, and that is the fact that the woman, Anij, that Picard's love interest in the movie, she must be having an affair with Picard because I'm under the impression that the male lead and the two kids in the movie are her children. And she's off well, having a fling with Picard. And I, I, I don't know. I just, it I felt weird to me. It, you know, I just rewatched this movie too, Jim, uh, just today, as a matter of fact. And I don't think that they are a family unit. Or if they are, because remember, uh, Picard says something uh, about, you know, the fact that, She's been in love before in the past. Um, and so it's either that they aren't a family unit or they could just have more progressive views of what a family unit is. And, you know, I know plenty of people in open relationships. Maybe it's like that. Maybe it's just okay that she's going out and 
and uh, having a fling with Picard, you know? Well, she is 363 right. years old, so, you know. It's amazing, yeah. It's, it's, well, they, yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. I but, feel old. <laughs> You know, I just the, the movie. It just did. It, it it felt like um it it felt kind of flat to me. It felt like it needed a little something to to get it going. I think. You know, um, I did enjoy I think, the beginning though. Yeah. Seeing Captain Picard doing his diplomat thing, which he's so good at. Seeing them in their dress uniforms at the the soiree at the beginning where Picard is in his element doing his thing. I thought that was great. That's something we hadn't seen Picard do in quite a long time. Um, I did enjoy that. Um, you know, I wanted to see seeing... him dance with the alien though. I, we never got yeah, to see we didn't get to, the... We didn't get to see that. <laughs> um, and again, uh, coincidentally, Worf just, just happens to be leaving Deep Space Nine and just happens to be there. At that moment, I understand that his contract said he would be in the movie, so he was there. But, again, every movie, Worf just happens to be wherever the Enterprise is. Okay, whatever. But um, <laughs> overall, and I love Worf, I'm just, and I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. But overall, you know, I'm with the fans. You know, I give this movie a six, you know, maybe yeah. a 6.3. Maybe I did like Jer. I did like the soundtrack though. That I have to. I have to agree with our fan. Um, the soundtrack I, I, is really good. Not as good as Star Trek: The Motion Picture, but it's it's a quality soundtrack. So yeah, I think I'll go with a six point three. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I you know, so I, I can't. I can't disagree with anything that's been said so far about the movie. I, I've been doing a little thinking about it. And I think, I do think I know why in some respects, this thing does fall just a little bit flat. And um, part of it has to do with remember originally, I think it fell flat because first contact was so big and so good. And it was only two years before this. And everybody had that kind of an epic story in mind. And then when Insurrection came out, all of a sudden they're on this little tiny planet dealing with 600 people. People were like, wait a second. Uh, what happened to my epic Star Trek? So I think there was a little bit of surprise there kind of back in the day when it came out. I personally think the story in this movie is a really interesting one. Um, I think it, it plays with a lot of those kind of like uh, the needs of the few can outweigh the needs of the many sometimes. Um, ideas that, that we talk about in Star Trek and um, you know the characters are, are pretty decent the, where it falls flat I think is, is some of the writing and some of the performances two of my favorite characters in Star Trek Data and Worf I just don't think are very good in this movie um, Data's, Data has so many lines that are supposed to be funny that just aren't um, that whole lock and load line quite honestly, is completely ridiculous. Like, he, he wouldn't say something like that. Um, so I, I just don't, and I, it, it's almost like Spiner wasn't into it. You could see him kind of like just being a little bit more with the way he carried himself and not really being very data-ish at moments. And same with Worf. They didn't really give him like a lot of, a lot of good lines. Um, sometimes he's a little stiff in his acting, that kind of stuff. 
it's definitely made up for by, I agree, fantastic performances from, um, from Patrick Stewart in particular. Uh, I think Frakes is great. I actually think the Frakes, um, Marina Sirtis, like the Troy Riker rekindling of the relationship in this movie is really, really cute. And it actually makes me smile. I love that scene where they're like in the bathtub together and she's shaving him. It's just so like, it's so cool and just intimate. It's such a nice moment between the two of them kind of remembering why they really like each other. Um, so, I don't know, that's my short take on, on why I think it's, it's not as good as it could have been. I do think the story's good. I love the, the way um, they play with the concept of, is it okay for the Federation to be spying on people? Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I get a little weirded out with, the, with like the powers or whatever that are going, like there's this whole slowing down time thing that happens, which feels very... <sighs> It's like all of a sudden there's some magic in this in this movie, you know? All these things were happening, everything was kind of normal, and then poof, there's just a little bit of magic that happens, and it just comes out of nowhere. Um, don't really care for that. So uh, I will say that uh, this is not my least favorite Star Trek movie. Uh, I give it kudos because I really like the story. I just don't know if it was totally executed the way. And, oh, and the last thing I wanted to say before I pass to Charles is – um, the computer graphics for all the space stuff these days with our high definition televisions and stuff you can you can see it right you can see that they're computer graphics and they do not look as good as models as physical models in my opinion the the e looks like it's a computer generated e now you know it's 1998 so i give it a lot of but um it's too bad they didn't stick with the models because those always looked better back then i don't know i'll say i'll give it a five and a half uh, maybe a 5.7. I, I wanted to throw one more thing in there because after I watched this episode, I went back and I watched a particular episode of TNG called Journey's End. And if you watch Journey's End, you will see that Captain Picard acts completely against his nature in insurrection versus what he did in, in uh, Journey's End. And in Journey's End, he argues with um, Admiral Necheyev that what they're doing is wrong. He, he does stand up for that. But in the end, they order him to move the people, and he's moving the people. And the character that stands up to Patrick or to Picard is Wesley. Yeah. And Wesley yep. kind of plays the part that Picard plays in this movie. And in, in in that in that episode he didn't he wasn't going or he was gonna follow orders, but this time he didn't. And it it was just kinda like, well make up your mind here. You know, the same character is do making two different decisions based on the same situation. And uh um, Well isn't that character development? I mean from the T and G episode he was younger. He didn't know butts better, but now he's older and he's learning from his mistake. Yeah, I think so. And Journey's End also didn't have the components of there being a massive resource that everybody was interested in, right? In this movie, it's all about the rejuvenating properties of the planet. And I, I feel right. like that, that's the part of the story that they, they could have gone deeper in that they didn't. Like, Doherty, right, the Admiral, he says throughout the whole movie, he's like, I'm getting orders from up top. Like, I'm just doing what people are telling me to do. And he's the one who's just, oh, we never, that's never goes deeper. Don't you want to know more about the conspiracy? Or don't you want to return 
to it to like find out more about it. I guess after watching Picard and Discovery and all these things that we've seen in recent years, you can kind of retcon it in your mind and say, okay, in Insurrection, we're seeing just another example of the Federation kind of starting to break down. Uh, in fact, the, the main Sona character there says something about the, the Federation falling apart. Well, uh, maybe he was a Romulan spy, like like Admiral So. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe you're getting ordered from Section 31. I don't know. Well, I you mean, know. in this movie, they, they established that he, right, you find out in the end that he's um, the same race, and it's all a revenge thing. Like, his, his motivation supposedly all along was just, was just revenge, which, come on, man, you need more complaints. Bad guys than that. I mean, Khan did revenge the best. Nobody can do revenge better than Khan. <laughs> so that's true. <laughs> And uh, how about you, Charles? What do you think about Star Trek Insurrection? Uh, not a whole lot to add to it. I tried to rewatch it yesterday um, in my busy schedule, and I just couldn't focus on it. I got the half of the uh, first 30 minutes of it, trying to explain the evil data and what went wrong with him. And it's like I just couldn't focus on the episode yesterday. I finally said, okay, that was enough, and moved on. It's an all right movie. It's not one of my top ones. And I think I will follow just below Jim and Eric and go with a 5.1. I think it could have done a lot better than what they did with this one. And how about you, David? What do you think? I, I liked it overall. Um, it had, it, like Eric said, it had its funny moments, but they weren't really, like, you know, delivered right or something. And uh, I guess you have to have to kind of, like, be, uh, I don't know, in that moment to really enjoy the movie. But um, it, I, I thought it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it. I, I especially liked the beginning um, where they mentioned the whole Dominion War part. Uh, in the elevator scene, that was pretty interesting. I gave you a little bit yeah. of that Star Trek lore. Yeah. Oh, and that was um, the other thing, David. Did you notice that they said, I picked up on it for the first time uh, today. I don't know if you've seen the movie recently, but they said that the Sona were responsible for the manufacture of Ketracel White. So the Sona actually yeah. were the ones who were making the drug for the Gem Hadar that the Dominion used. <laughs> yeah, I caught on to that. I thought that was really cool. And, um, the I, I don't know. Overall, I I really thought that the uh, the movie probably should have had a better alien protagonist or whatever that word antagonist. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I I think that movie would probably been a whole lot better if maybe the Klingon would have been like behind the whole thing or like maybe it was a mess up with Q or something. I think that would have been it. But, well, you um, know, originally yeah, uh, breaks. Freaks did want John Delancey in this movie. Um, he tried oh, to really? be written into the story, and he couldn't. He couldn't get it done. But yeah, he wanted Q to reprise his role here. Also, Marina Sirius oh. fell asleep during the premiere of this movie. So <laughs> I feel her pain because I fell asleep watching it tonight. So I, I feel her pain. <laughs> I, uh, you know, back to your the data thing. I think I think you're absolutely right, Eric. So many of the things in the movie that were meant to be funny just 
didn't work. One of them was, was data when he fills up with air. He says, I'm a flotation device in case of a water oh, landing. So bad. So bad. Just I just was like, you got to be kidding. I had forgotten how bad that was. Yeah. Oh, a did spaceship you, you crashing. And kind of laughed at that. They cut oh, the end. Yeah. And, and the, other, the other line in the movie from Data that just made me go, what? Data says, what? Is when he overhears Riker, when he overhears Troy and Crusher saying, my boobs are starting to firm up. And he turns to Worf and he says, I've noticed my boobs are firming up. Um, yeah. It was just, like, how can Data what? be? It is not that socially inept. Like, he, it, no. He's supposed to, you know, it's not cute. It's not cute. No, it wasn't cute at all. It didn't work at all. And, you know, I think things like that kind of make the movie seem less than it really was, I think. Like you said, it was just a flat movie. I, I, you know, it was just flat. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, guys, we're going to take our final commercial break of the evening. But don't you go anywhere. You better get those chicken wings out of the microwave before they burn because we're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks when we come back. Uh, it's a great episode. Weege Dodge, which means three ships in Klingon. And you're not going to want to miss that because this episode was great and we're going to have a lot to talk about. So don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Attention all hands. Report to your commanding officer. We have to work together. Look alive, people. Our lives will be on the line. But we are starfleet, and we never back down from a challenge. Oh, and the ballroom dancing competition will have to be postponed. Ah, nothing ruins breakfast like a work assignment. I smell adventure. Every ship in the fleet depends on officers like us to keep them running. Ah, freaking radiation! Collecting weird spacecraft is part of the fun of Starfleet. Brace for impact! I'm okay. It's just a fracture. Just? Oh, God, I can't even look at it! You will be assimilated. Can't have that. That's Starfleet. And we're back. We're about to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, which which is three ships in Klingon. So you don't want to miss that. And before we do that, though, I have to do this. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. That's right. We're going to spoil So if you haven't seen it, quick, go run, watch it, and come right back because we're going to have some fun with this one. So um, let's see. Who wants to I'll start off. First of all, I, this is my new favorite episode. Um, I loved it. I, I, I just I, – I loved it. Um, Wedge Dudge is, is three ships in Klingon, and the three ships that we're talking about – is a Vulcan ship, a Klingon ship, and the Cerritos. Well, technically there's four ships because we see a Borg cube as well, so it could be four ships, but um, actually only three. It's the first time that a Star Trek episode actually had uh, Klingon lettering for the title of the episode, which was really cool. At the very beginning, it's Wedge Dodge in Klingon. Now, they did that on Discovery for subtitles, 
But the actual, you know, this was the first time that the title was actually in Klingon. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Captain Freeman is wearing a Rito's shirt in this episode. Very, very reminiscent of the disco shirts that you see the crew of, of the USS Discovery wearing, which I thought was awesome. And Rutherford can be seen playing with the DS9 model that Tendi got for him uh, a couple episodes ago. That was really cool, too. But the best part for me, well, the whole thing was good, but the best part was the Klingon ship. <laughs> um, we, we actually get to see the lower decks on a Klingon ship, which was just really, really, really cool. Um, you know, they're drinking blood wine, and they're, drink, they're eating gawk, and uh, they're beating the crap out of each other, and uh, in typical Klingon fashion. Um, the one dude which in the corner is, really, is sharpening his teeth the whole time. Yeah, it's just great. It was just, and you know what? I could see an entire series on Klingon like that. I would love it. Fans have been clamoring for a Klingon show, and after seeing this on Lower Decks, I'm like, this is the perfect way to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, perfect. I mean, I just, I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, it, it was just, it was so well done. Um, one thing I, that I, I'm not sure if this is the case or not, but I think it is. It, um, there's a scene where the captain we find out is actually the one that's giving the, um, pack lids all this technology and all these weapons that, that they're using to attack the Federation with the first officer on the Klingon ship is Tog. T-O-Q. Now, does that name sound familiar to anybody? Maybe, kind of, sort of. It does. Because the character of Tog was, ties into our Klingon, our Star Trek birthdays. I happened to be the Klingon that Worf runs into in the episode Birthright. He was born on the Romulan uh, planet there uh, with with the Klingons. And uh, Worf teaches him about his Klingon heritage. This is the guy that challenges the captain and tells the captain, no, what you're doing is wrong and we can't do this. And the captain kills him. So uh, just a little deep cut for you guys. If you didn't catch that, I wanted to just throw that out there because I caught it. So, so there you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was cool. Uh, Star Trek V, go climb a rock. Tendi and the doctor go mountain climbing and Boimler shows up with his rocket boots on and the go climb a rock shirt. Loved it. Uh, just, you know, anytime they throw a Star Trek five uh, reference in there, I'm all for it. So I thought that was just, was funny. The Vulcan ship. It was, it was to see an actual Vulcan ship from Star Trek enterprise still being in use, which is something that we have never seen since enterprise. You wonder, what did the Vulcans do with all their ships? Where'd they go? We never see them again. Uh, well, we see one tonight, which is really awesome. Um, I like the Vulcan character that we meet, Talon. She's really cool. And I hope she shows up on, on Lower Decks next season. Um, well, I'll leave the Vulcan stuff to Charles. Uh, I'll stick with the Klingon. Yeah. Uh, they had the, the Klingon blood where he goes, may your blood run reddish-pinkish. I thought was funny, and uh, when the Vulcan, when they were making fun of the Vulcans, and they're like, 
uh, die short and cower in fear. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah, I love this episode, all of it, from beginning to end, especially when they go to the lower decks of the board ship. And I think, <laughs> I think I might be wrong. I didn't look it up. I don't live in California, but when they tell you they go to board cube nine zero two one zero or whatever it was. It sounded like a, 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 you know, a reference to some California zip code like everything else on the show is. So I'm not sure if that name of that board cube actually was a California zip code, but that's what it looked like to me when it popped up there. And there's all the Borg, and they're just standing there in their alcoves as the credits roll. Here's the lower decks of the Borg ship, and they're just standing there. So I was like, oh, my God, that's so funny. So I loved it. I, I absolutely loved this episode all the way around, um, every single thing about it. And, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't want to talk about it too much because I, I want to leave some stuff for you guys to talk about. But um, I like the Klingon Targ uh, when he eats the guy's leg and the captain says you have to walk him till he passes the leg or he'll get gas. And, um, it, it was just it was so well done, well done. And uh, I, I'm going to give it a 9.2. I loved it that much. So uh, how about, uh, you know what? Charles, jump in about the Vulcans. Yes. I, I stayed away oh, from the Vulcans. Please. Yes, quit, they quit stealing my section. Yeah, I'm going to stay away from the when Vulcans. We jumped in, when we jumped in and we saw a Vulcan ship, it's like, oh, yeah. We've never really spent that much time with the Vulcans. And we get to see what lower decks are with them. And we get to realize how cold and emotionless they are. And I love how they react to each other. I love the insults they'll throw at each other. Because really, oh, okay, you did a good job. I'm not supporting you, but you did okay. But for punishment, I'm going to make you sit there and meditate. And she goes to meditate, and yet still sitting there trying to do her, trying to solve this problem out. It's like, oh, well, if you were, I forgot which race they talked oh, if you were this, we would do this. And it's like, but we're not them. And she finally goes to the captain and like, this could save our ship. Captain's like, yeah, but I believe in, I believe in my gut this will save our ship. Well, all right, fine. Go do it. Lower deck, implement this to the ship. And it saves her ship. And they suddenly got pretty pretty feisty. We got to see the Cerritos very feisty. And a Klingon and a Vulcan ship that was very well armed and protected. Good job in combat. Jim brought the same thing up that I did. That Jim brought the same one that I was going to bring up is. At the end, she's like, okay, you just, you don't sing like a Vulcan. So I'm sending you off the ship. Oh, I better pack to go to Vulcan. No, you're not going back to Vulcan. 
I'm sending you to Federation. And the ending line, I love this. She turn around, turns around to her commanding officer. Live life in proper, sir. It's like, oh, man, that was such a mariner line. That was so mariner of her. It's like, I, I was saying the same thing as Jim was. Like, man, she needs to be in the Cerritos. She would have been a perfect character for the series. I would love to see more of her. I agree with Jim. This was a great episode. I saw it. It's like, I don't know. I got a new favorite episode of Lower Deck. I think I really do. Nine. What did you give it, Jim? A 9.2. 9.4. All right. Well, there you have it. Eric, you got some (laughs) stiff competition. What do you think? Uh, well, I love all the stuff you guys talked about. Um, yeah, Jim, 90182 is Long Beach, oh. California. So there you go. Uh, so they definitely reference that uh, just like they do a million times. What are some other things I love about this episode that you guys didn't talk about? Well, I love the, the pottery class where Shax is throwing pottery. That to me just seems like such a, <laughs> like a meditative thing that he would do. And then I just the, the little scene there where Boimler comes in and he mentions Bajor, and you see Shax absolutely lose it. I just love that. That was so, so funny. Um, <laughs> I love the scene of, of Tana and uh, Tendi bonding. You know, you already mentioned the Glow Climber Rock t-shirt, of course, but just them, like, up there kind of, you know, bonding. It, it, it's almost like... Um, it's it, like they switched roles around from Star Trek Five, right? Because you got the grumpy doctor star up on the up on the rock now, and you got the guy <laughs> who's like the uh, the one who wants to please everybody, who's almost like the commander Boimler. He's the one flying around in the boots. So anyway, just really funny. Um, Jim, you did mention the Ritos T-shirts. I want one so bad. Uh, I've got my disco T-shirt <laughs> now. I, now I got to get a Ritos T-shirt. Um, and let's see, other stuff, non vulcan and uh, Klingon-related, uh, the very, very end, uh, I stayed through the credits hoping that something was going to happen on the board ship, but nothing did. I watched it. It was just quiet all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah, they just, they just stood there, beep, 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 beep with all the, the board background noise, and nothing happened. Nobody moved. Nothing happened. So that's how exciting the lower decks are on board ships. <laughs> Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it was fun fun to get away from, uh, you know, there was just a little bit of Mariner and her mom this week. Uh, I love Mariner. Don't get me wrong. She's a great character, but they feature her quite a bit. So it was kind of nice to feature some of the other characters just a little bit more this episode. So, uh, so I totally dug it. Is it my favorite? Uh, it is pretty close. Man. Last week was also a very, very good episode that I loved. Um, but yeah, I will give this one a solid nine, and I'll say it's funnier when you 
Lord Doctor did a great job of not disparaging anybody and not fighting humor that way. I think it's also a little funnier when they maybe stay away from some of the sex humor. It's just like they don't necessarily need to go there to make a funny episode. And every time they have, it's been a little less funny. And every time they haven't, it's been more funny. So, you know, maybe it's a good formula. Who knows? But great episode. I loved it. What did you think, David? Oh, yeah. I actually really thought this was a really funny episode, too. Um, probably not as great as last week's episode, but... Um, I did like some of the funny parts and some of the references, like, you know, Cry Havoc, like, split the dogs of war. I thought that line yeah. was pretty fun. <laughs> um, uh, Although t-shirts about the different ship titles, I thought it would be interesting for the Enterprise to have the word enter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I like this episode because it didn't really focus on the Cerritos throughout the whole episode, like some of the other episodes they did, but I, I like the idea how we got the different cultures of, like, from the Klingon, the Vulcans, even the Packlid, <laughs> the whole red, uh, red alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, red alarm. Red al- <laughs> you know what else red was funny, alarm. David? They showed the lower <laughs> decks of the Packlid ship, and there's the Packlid sitting around the lower deck saying, I am hungry. You should eat. Should yes, eat. go and eat. I'm like, this is the lower decks of the Packlid ship. That's <laughs> like, so we got to see lower decks on a Klingon ship, lower decks on a Vulcan ship, lower decks on a Packlid ship, and lower decks on a Borg ship, all in one episode. <laughs> yeah, it was just interesting how um, the story is actually starting to come together now. Like, cause a couple episodes, you know, they were talking about using the Viridium bomb. And that they're requesting another yeah. one. <laughs> that whole funny line was just like, it doesn't work anymore because we used it. It's like, of course it doesn't work anymore. It's a bomb. You can only use it once. The bomb. <laughs> yeah. The, the Klingon captain's going off on the backwards. <laughs> yeah, they're doing they're doing episodic TV, but they've got a series arc going on right now, which is really cool. And they yeah. develop it just a little bit more with every episode. Yeah. Also, do you guys, well, Captain, do you guys seem like a, a Gowron 2.0? Yeah. With the eyes. Well, I love in the background, you hear the red warning. Red warning. It's like, it's not a red alert. It's just a red warning. Yeah. Well, let's not worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It was funny. Also, that Vulcan, that Vulcan character really reminded me of Mariner for some reason. The same artwork on her face. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't notice that, but yeah, it, they do kind of like they've got the with a lot of the female characters. They'll give them the the kind of eyelashes that sort of stick out on the side. Mariner's definitely got those, and you're right, the Vulcan had them too. Tandy's yeah. got them. I- I hope that she shows up on Lower Decks next season. Or maybe next week. Who knows? You know? Yeah. I mean, we have Jennifer the Andorian, you know. I mean, she's getting reassigned to a a Starfleet ship somewhere, so I kind of was hoping that it was going to be the Cerritos, but, you know, who knows? I just like her... I, I agree. I think it was you, Charles, who was saying like all the ways that all the Vulcans were insulting each other very calmly. Yeah. <laughs> Probably one of the funniest parts. 
and I, I thought it was funny. I thought we saw some really good character development in um, Ransom at the end when uh, Boimler is sitting at the bar and that, that non-commissioned <laughs> officer who's not even an ensign, who's like an acting Wesley Crusher ensign, he doesn't even have any tips on. And he says that Ransom sent them over to talk to him because he's the most organized officer on the ship. And the way the camera kind of pans over and Ransom's drinking his drink and kind of just looks over at Boimler and kind of gives him like the Kirk nod. And it's like, you know, Boimler got everything he needed just from that one moment, which I thought was great. It it was great of Ransom to uplift Boimler after everything he went through in that episode. I thought that was, was really good. And when Boimler goes up to talk to the Tamarian guy and he goes, oogla boogla when the forest fell and he says, Oh, Oh, I took Tamarian in school. Um, 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 Tanagra in the forest with the children. And the guy's like, how can you lose weight when you can replicate anything? And he storms away. (laughs) But whatever. I mean, you guys know the scene I'm talking about. I don't remember the exact terminology. I think it was pretty much that bad, Jeff. Yeah, but it was like, oh, no, no, I didn't mean that. I said the wrong thing. And I just thought that was funny that they actually referenced, you know, went back to his language again, which was really funny. You know? Yeah. And they mentioned about the whole uh, where you're born from, and they mentioned Hawaii. It just for some reason, in my mind, I was like, oh, man, I'm really hungry for Hawaiian pizza now. <laughs> so what would, what would you give it overall on a score of 1 to 10, David? Uh, actually, about a 9.0182. Okay. Well, <laughs> perfect. That works. <laughs> that works. That's just a code for Long Beach. <laughs> I, uh, I, and guys, I want to give a, a huge, a huge shout out to Shannon, who's listening to us right now, but can't call in. And uh, Shannon, we're thinking of you, and we always have a seat at our table for you. Hopefully everything goes good, and uh, you'll be back with us again next week. So uh, good luck, Shannon, and we miss you. So there you have it. Yeah. But overall, I enjoy I think that, you know what Lower Decks needs? They need a season finale, a double-length season finale episode. That's what they need. Well, this is definitely coming. There's only one more episode after this, isn't there? Yep, this yep. is the last episode yeah. left. That's right. And That's right. so I think that we're going to see the culmination of all of these little plot tweaks that they've been making all along the way. And I swear, I always watch those credits at the beginning, and I swear I see these things in them, but now I, I, I'm not, I'm never sure. Yeah, you know, sometimes it, it, sometimes it starts without a trailer, and sometimes yeah. it does. You know, you never, yeah. you can never tell. They but I did like the Klingon, um, the Klingon lettering in the beginning. But Jim, why is why are the Klingons always? Nate actually asked us this question: Why are the Klingons always in a Borel? Why do they never show up in a Cavort or a Horta or anything? Is it just it's just always a Borel? I don't know. Is well, I think I think it's because it's the most recognizable, overused Klingon starship in history. But you know, in this in this episode, we get um, a look at a Vulcan ship that I think I, I mean we don't really know what class this is. Maybe maybe somebody out there um, who knows more about uh, or Vulcan ships can tell us. But it looks like 
a ship we haven't seen before. It looks like kind of an updated Surat class or something. So can, can a Borel yeah. like an updated Borel? Come on, give me something with a new design. These things have been around. They've looked the same for the last 120 years. Give me, give me a new well, Borel. You know, they they built it. They built the model for Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and so it's a, it was a movie quality, you know, model. And since they spent all that money to build it, they used it for every time there was a Klingon ship, vertebrae, 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 vertebrae. And so then they said, wait a minute, we got to come up with a different name for it. So let's call it a Cavort. It's bigger, and but it's the same model, same ship. You know, we're just gonna say it's bigger. And so they just keep using it over and over and over again because I think that's become the Klingon ship. Like the Enterprise is the, you know, when you think of Star Trek and the Federation, it's the Enterprise. I think the Bird of Prey is the Klingon ship, you know. I mean, they do have other ships that they could use, you know. Like you said, they have the Vorcha, they have the Negbar. They have the D7 slash Katinga. Or why don't they why don't they come up with a brand new ship? It's a cartoon. They can draw one. That's what I'm saying. You know, I mean, they could have had a Klingon D10. Um, there's, any one of the fastest <laughs> ships would have been great, but it had to be a bird of prey. I don't yeah, know. I mean, they, use a, they use a design that works, so I guess they just keep using the same old ship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though it's animated yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, it's animated, and they they don't they have a new Federation ship, they have a new Packlid ship, but we're gonna we're gonna reach into the Klingon junk heap and pull out the Bird of Prey again. I, I don't know, but I loved it though. I thought it was a great episode, and getting to see all the different lower decks on all the different ships was great. Wasn't there a you lower know, Mar- deck TNG episode? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And and. Seeing Mariner and her mother on the phaser range arguing about hot flashes, you know, <laughs> and 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 uh, female cramps, and and boy, was like, oh, I'm getting out of here, and he just slithers out the door, you know. Um, <laughs> Mariner and her mother playing Star Trek Clue in the future. I thought that was funny. Oh, man, she's like, oh, it's the now. chef. It's the chef, and she's like, your mother's like, you always pick the chef. And she's like, yeah, because we have replicators and we don't need a chef, so he's shifty right from the get-go. I said, oh, that's it's funny. Funny, funny, funny. Anyways, guys, guess what time it is? About that time. It's, it's about that time. So uh, I want to say thank you so much to you for giving us a call and hanging out with us tonight, David. It's great to hear from you. You're welcome. I'm glad to call. It's just fun. And, uh, of course, couldn't do the show without you, Eric. So thanks for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight, Eric. I had a blast, as always. Yep. And, of course, Charles. Thank you so much for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight, Charles. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So much truck to talk about. And it's we're just going to have so much more. And, of course, thank you to each and every one of you guys, no matter where you are listening, whether you're listening live on Thursday night or Wednesday or Saturday, wherever you listen to us, we appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. Make sure you head over to our Facebook page, Talking and Beyond. Um, 
and be part of our Star Trek family. Give us a like, give us a follow. We'd really, really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed our new convention calendar. Uh, we're going to refine that and keep that growing as times go on because I think it's important that we get the word out to the Star Trek fans around the globe of where you can go to hang out with other like-minded fans because there's no, if you've never been to a convention, there's nothing like it. It's 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 so different and it's so much fun. Uh, I, I love to go to conventions and wave my batlet around and people want to hold my batlet and they can't wait to touch my batlet. And I'm more than happy to let them handle my batlet. You know, it's fun. Um, and speaking of my batlet, did you guys notice the picture of the gremlin holding the batlet? I have to tell you did that you guys- picture of you as a gremlin holding a batlet inspired me. I think I want to get a gremlin outfit for Halloween. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you, you yeah, can't really. I was more. It's huge. I was more the point is like, okay, rule number four: you don't give a bat lift to the gremlin. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And you know, people thought that um, that it was just a blow up statue. They didn't realize yeah. I was inside of it until I moved, <laughs> and then and they, the one kid got scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually huge. The, when you when you blow it up, <clears throat> that picture doesn't do it justice. But um, it's huge. It's about seven feet tall when it's all blown up. I mean, um, I can't even see out of it. My eyes are actually down by his mouth where his neck is. Uh, so I'm totally blind. I can't see out of it at all. I can just stand in one place and kind of move around so I don't fall off the deck of the camper and kill myself but it was fun it was a lot of fun anyways guys i'm your uncle jim saying good night and uh, please 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 stay safe and be good to each other next week we're going to be talking about the final episode of star trek lower deck so you want to tune in for that one we'll go back and talk about our favorite episodes from the season and what we'd like to see for season two and we'll just break down lower decks and have some fun with the final episode of the season we'll be back with a convention calendar we'll have star trek news star trek birthdays and fan shout outs so thank you so much to each and every one of you guys for listening and now you can go and eat your chicken wings now you can run over there grab your chicken wings and sit down and enjoy them put on lower decks eat your chicken wings and have some fun thank you so much for listening guys i'm your uncle jim saying stay safe be good to each other we'll see you all next week hailing frequencies are closed good night everyone let's see what's out there engage With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.